hello and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I would love for you to turn in your Bibles to Ruth chapter 3 as we continue the ongoing love story that we see in this amazing book. Tonight in Ruth chapter 3 in verse 18, we are confronted with three words. Now the NLT translates these words, just be patient. Just be patient. Why don't you say that with me? Just be patient. Now some of you see those three words that Naomi encourages Ruth with in verse 18 of chapter 3. You see those three words, and to you, it means nothing. It, 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 it doesn't cause something in you. There's no visceral reaction to those words, just be patient. For others of us, either in the room or watching this on video, that idea of being patient, uh, we get a little bristly on the inside, right? And In fact, some of us are including myself, maybe our relationship with patience isn't what it should be. And, and sometimes when somebody says, just be patient, uh, I not only can get a little bristly, uh, I could possibly break out into a cold sweat. And so those three words, just be patient, are incredibly important in the conversation in Ruth chapter 3. It reminds me of a story that I recently ran across of an usher who noticed a man sprawled out over four chairs in a posh theater. Long before the show would begin, and the usher saw the man, and he approached the man. And he said, sir, sir, you can only occupy one seat in the theater. Would you please sit up? And the man just moaned. Well, the usher got a little more aggressive with the man, and he said, sir, you can only occupy one seat in the theater. And the man just groaned. Well, by this time, the usher was getting somewhat impatient, and he thought he would take another run at it. And he said, sir, you can only occupy one seat in the theater. And the man just groaned. Well, the usher was fed up. He was so impatient that he went and he got the manager, and the manager came. And the manager said, sir, you can only occupy one seat in the theater. And the man just groaned. The manager now is getting impatient with the man who's laying across the four seats, and he raises his voice, and he says, Sir, you can only occupy one seat in the theater. Would you please set up? And the man just groaned. In a moment of intense impatience, the manager leaves, and he comes back with the police officer. The police officer comes, he approaches the man, he said, Sir, you can only occupy one seat in the theater. And the man just groaned. The officer, and with greater patience than the manager and the usher, said, Sir, what is your name? The man said, My name is Sam. The officer said, Sam, where are you from? He said, The balcony. <laughs> Last week, Pastor Rod, some of you are going to get that on the way home. <laughs> you may never get it. I apologize if you don't. Last week, Pastor Rod gave us some incredible insight into 
chapter 3 and the depth of the kinsman redeemer. In, in fact, he, he showed us five things that I just want to show you briefly on the screen that, that the kinsman redeemer was responsible for. And this is super, super important as we dove deeper into the book of Ruth, these five things. The kinsman redeemer was responsible for the purchase of property, redeeming a relative, avenging the killing of a relative, receiving money, and assisting the family in any lawsuit. So it, it's a big responsibility to serve as a kinsman redeemer. Second of all, Pastor Rod also unpacked with greater depth and detail Ruth's proposal to Boaz. Now, I know that sounds a, a somewhat strange to us, but it's actually a, a Leverite custom that we see uh, in the Old Testament. And, and so Ruth makes this proposal. In fact, in, in chapter 3, verse 9, here's the proposal. Uh, Ruth has come to Boaz at the uh, threshing room floor and and, and Boaz asked her, who are you? Boaz asked, I am your servant Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. There it is. So Ruth has now made a proposal to Boaz as her kinsman redeemer for marriage. And so it's that context that we begin uh, tonight's conversation beginning in verse 14 of Ruth chapter 3. So that gives us some insight. So the scripture says, So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until morning, but she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other. For Boaz had said, No one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor. So a couple of things I want us to see in, in verse 14, I think, is incredibly important. First of all, I, I want us to see that, that Boaz, as the kinsman redeemer, He's actually protecting Ruth uh, in this exchange. So first of all, Ruth shows up at midnight, right, for the proposal. And then it's like if Boaz is not going to send Ruth home in the wee hours of the morning, it's not safe to do. That would be a dangerous thing to do. So Boaz has evidently said, just stay here with me. Second of all, Boaz is not just protecting her physically. He's also protecting her virtue. Because we see earlier in this chapter, in verse 11, where Boaz mentions that Ruth is a woman of virtue. Everybody understands that. So there's this element of protection that we see in verse 14. Now notice verse 15. As the plot thickens a little bit, the scripture says, Then Boaz says to Ruth, Bring your cloak, spread it out. He measured six scoops of barley into the cloak, placed it on her back. Then he returned to town. So he's, before he sends her away... He says, Ruth, come here, lay your cloak out, and he loads her up with six scoops of barley. Now, in chapter 2, we know that in some ways, in an indirect way, Boaz made sure that Ruth had barley. But here in chapter 3, he loads her up with more barley. That's a lot of barley. In, in chapter 2, it is believed that he loaded her up with about 40 or 50 pounds of barley. That's a pretty good heaping scoop of barley. Here, it is likely that he loaded up with more barley. Some believe that, that if we're looking at 60 to 70 pounds of barley, it's enough that it, he puts it in her cloak. Scripture says he puts it on her back, and then Ruth is carrying it back home. Look at what happens in verse 16. When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi, ask her, what happened, my daughter? Let me stop there. Naomi has been arranging the whole thing. Do you remember last week in chapter 3, Pastor Rod talked about Naomi is, she's moving the pieces around the chessboard and, and she's setting up the proposal. She even tells Ruth, hey, clean up, take a, take a bath, put the perfume on, get ready for this. So Naomi 
is arranging the whole thing. So I would imagine that Naomi had a long night. She's got to be wondering what in the world happened at the threshing room floor. And so I, I, I guess it's early in the morning and, and Naomi hasn't slept. And she sees Ruth approaching the house. She gets so excited. She wants to see if the plan has come together. And so as Ruth comes in, Naomi asks her, what happened, my daughter? She just can't wait to hear what all has happened. Then notice what Ruth does. Ruth tells Naomi everything that Boaz had done for her. So there's some things that's happening behind the scene that the author of the book doesn't share with us. He's like, uh, there's some things that we don't see under the surface that obviously is more than than we read here. But but she tells Naomi, here's everything that Boaz has done. And note, then she adds this. Notice this in verse 17. And then Ruth added, he gave me these six scoops of barley and he said to me, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Isn't it interesting? Of all the things recorded in the scripture, that this is what is most important and what is most glaring to us is that Boaz wanted to make sure that Naomi was not empty-handed. You remember in chapter 1 where Naomi's challenge was when she came back from Moab, uh, she said, I left Bethlehem full and I returned what? Empty. I left full and I returned empty. And so there's something significant about what happens in this conversation where, where Ruth is reminding Naomi, oh, you left empty, you left full, you came back empty. And it's as if Boaz has stepped in as that provisional provider to say, no longer, Naomi, will you live with emptiness. And so he provides uh, six scoops of barley, an enormous amount of barley, and no longer will Naomi be empty-handed. Now, verse 18, if you have your Bible, I want us to look there. This is where I want to spend uh, the majority of the time uh, this evening. So here in verse 18, the scripture says, Then Naomi said to Ruth, Just be patient. Say that with me. Just be patient. Just be patient, my daughter, until we... Hear what happens. The man won't rest until he has settled things today. Okay, here's where the plot thickens. Here's where the story gets interesting. Here's where the intrigue, the uncertainty, the mystery enters into the story. In fact, in some ways, the curtain and the story kind of begins to fall at this point. I mean, what I mean by that is is, is from here forward in the rest of the book, we never hear Ruth and Naomi speak again. This is the last conversation we have for them. And so as if, as if the curtain is falling and, and we have Naomi with these encouraging words to Ruth, just be patient, my daughter. Now, this word patient means to sit, to dwell. It's different than Isaiah 40, 31, where the scripture says, wait on the Lord. This is a different word. That word means to hope with expectation. And and this word doesn't mean that. This word literally means sit still. She is saying, chill out, Ruth. Let's see what's going to develop today. Now, this is such an important part of the story. And again, when, when the scripture says, just be patient, or the scripture encourages us to wait, some of us in the room have a visceral response to that something happens within us because some of us aren't very patient 
and I'll put my hand in the air first. I'm reminded recently, Sharon just updated you some things that happened in Nepal. She didn't update you on everything. As we were leaving Nepal, we arrived at the airport four hours before departure. There's a lot of paperwork to do with what's happening in the world with the pandemic, so we just wanted to make sure that we had everything in order, because while we really enjoy Nepal, we also like it here. Uh, about eight or ten days, we were like, okay, uh, let's head home. So we had everything together, and, and there's always a line, there's always a, a language barrier, there's always something that tests my patience. So we made it into the airport, and we're making our way uh, up to the counter. Stuart, I think there's a picture maybe somewhere in there. Th- this is kind of the area. So we're, 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 we're in, we're sitting, we're close to the, the ticket counter. I notice a Nepali man that works, obviously, for the airport. So he and I have a little bit of a, of a Napoli English conversation, and, and eventually he helps me up to the very front of the line. I want to be first in line at the airport. Anybody else? I'm an early arriver at the airport, man. I want to be, and I was first in line at the ticket booth, and I thought, this is fantastic. So I'm there. The ticket booth isn't even open yet, but I'm ready when it opens. You know, passport out, I'm ready to go. And so they open the, they open the ticket booth, and we get hand them passports and, and begin the process of checking in for the flight. And it kind of went south from there. Uh, I, I just remember, and I'll, I won't, I'll spare you the dirty details because it was pretty messy, I just remember about an hour later, I was standing at the ticket counter. You know, they have the conveyor belt that moves your luggage to the other, the other conveyor belt that eventually, I guess, gets it to the airplane. The one at the ticket counter, you know which one I'm speaking about? It weighs your luggage, and it takes it. So I just remember about an hour later, I'm standing on that, leaning over the ticket counter, trying to figure out what's going on. My impatient level has gone to a whole, I mean, I'm at a 10 plus, baby. I am so impatient. It's like, when I travel, something bad happens to me. In fact, if, when we take people on trips and those kind of things, I apologize beforehand. I'm like, I'm sorry, you're going to see some things. I would, I'd love for you to forget what you see. I get super impatient. Now, not everything in life am I impatient with. Some of you know what I'm speaking about, right? Maybe it's when you drive or when you stand in line at the store or at the bank. It's like, how did I choose the wrong line again? Anyone else? Yeah, I choose the short line, but 30 minutes later, the long line's done, and I will go to the long line, and then the short line moves. Does that happen to anyone else? <laughs> Terribly impatient. So, so when Naomi tells Ruth, just be patient. As I thought about this, I thought, what, how cool would it be? How interesting would it be that if you could special order a Bible, right, and you could leave out all of those challenging passages that you have trouble with? Wouldn't that be amazing? Like, I'll take the new Bible, but can you leave out, for me, be Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. There are nine fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, mm, you know, number, number four, do you mind leaving that out of the fruit of the Spirit? I'd feel so much better. Life would be so much easier if a fruit of the Spirit wasn't patience, but it is. And, and for me, I don't know about you, but for me, when Naomi tells Ruth, just be patient, my daughter. Let's wait until we hear. Let's see what happens because Boaz, he's out there. He's going to work. He is going to take care of this. Ruth is waiting, wondering. She is anticipating. She doesn't know how it all turns out. As we read the story, we have the luxury 
of knowing how the story plays out. But Ruth does not know. It is known as a liminal space. It is a space between what was and what's next. I want you to hear that. A liminal space is the space between what was and what is what's next. It's a space of, of transition. It's a space of transformation. It's a space of uncertainty. It's a space of waiting. And, and, and some of us are in that space right now. There is a liminal thing going on in our life. What was and what's next. And Ruth finds herself in that liminal space, waiting, wondering, anticipating. It's as if Ruth has done everything right. She's been faithful in so many ways. She's, she's abided by God's law in so many ways. And, and we know how that feeling is, do we not? We pray, we fast, we worship, we serve, we give. And in the midst of all of that, there's times in our lives that we do not know how it will turn out. Amen? So many things happen in our lives, in this liminal space, where we find Ruth, where we find Naomi, and where we find Boaz. There is so much going on in the story that they're not sure how this is going to turn out. And when we get to that space in our life where we're not sure, we often get fearful. We get worried. We get anxious. We might get angry. We might get overwhelmed when we're in a space where we don't know how it's going to turn out. We wait for the test results. We wait to see. What will the doctor say? We're wondering, will the marriage last? What will happen to the kids? I've not heard from our children. And, and so we begin with all of these questions and we're in a liminal space and there's something within us that says, I'm trying to hold on to hope, but I'm not sure how this is going to work out. Imagine how Ruth felt. Doing everything right. She's even proposed to Boaz and she's not sure how this is going to turn out. We're not sure how it turns out at this point of the story because why? There's another kinsman redeemer closer to Naomi than Boaz. So there's another piece to the puzzle. There, there's something else going on in the story. And it's that piece to the puzzle that is brought into the story that makes Ruth wonder what will happen at the end of my life. Where is this going? Will the proposal go through? While we're trying to be patient, we're waiting on the Lord. We're not sure how much longer we're going to be able to hang on. Have you ever been there? Sure you have. Sure you've been to a point in your life where you waited, you trusted, you believed, you hoped, you worshipped, and at the end of the day you weren't sure how. This is going to turn out. It's a liminal space. Something happens here in verse 18 that I want us to see, and it's kind of the key takeaway of the passage. I want you to look in verse 18 with me. Naomi said to Ruth, Just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. That's a tough spot, isn't it? When you're waiting to hear what happens. It's no longer in your control. Somebody else is making the decisions. Someone else is, is handling the situation. You just have to wait. Notice what Naomi says to Ruth. This is the life-changing 
perspective-changing portion of the passage. Look at this. She says, The man won't rest until he has settled things today. Notice what Naomi says. Boaz will not rest until he settles things today. We see something very interesting here in Naomi's life. Even everything she had gone through, the loss of a husband, the loss of two sons, famine, difficulty, we see something in Naomi's life that I think is very important that I want you to take away. She sees something, she knows something that we all need to understand. Here it is. While Ruth was waiting, her kinsman redeemer was working. You see that? While Ruth is waiting, her kinsman redeemer is working. While Ruth waits, dwells, sits, wonders, anticipates, Boaz is working. Here it is. While we're waiting, our redeeming God is working. You see it in the passage? Remember, Boaz gives us a little insight into the person of Jesus in many ways. And I want you to see that. That's the key takeaway. While we wait, our redeeming God works. He is working. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, the scripture says, And we know that in all things God works. Let me stop. God works. The, the, the Greek word there means a, means a fellow laborer. It means to work together with. It means to partner up with. So I'm convinced that Romans 8, 28, and we know that, that in all things that God works, what he's talking about is, is there is a part on our part to be faithful, obedient unto the Lord's work. As we're walking in faithful obedience, we're working hand in hand with, with what the Father wants to do in our lives. And we know that in all things, God is working together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his what? purpose. So friends, while we wait, God's working. While we wonder, God is working. Paul says in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Being confident of this, he who has began the good work. Who began the good work? God did. God began the good work, and we must be confident in the fact that He will complete the good work, and He will complete it in us. What is the good work? It is transformation into the person of Jesus. That good work is moving, is transforming, is active, and God is working, even though sometimes we must wait, and waiting is hard. Amen? Waiting is difficult, but in the waiting, we know God is working. And Paul's like, I'm confident that the God who has begun the good work, he's going to carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. What if we really believed that God is working while we're waiting? 
I want you to think about something in your life right now. I want you to think about because some of you may be, you may be waiting to hear back from the doctor, right? Uh, you may be waiting to hear back what's going to happen with, with the job. Did I get the job? Are they laying people off? You may be waiting on something relationally. In fact, let me just ask you this. Just how many of you right now think, hey, I have a sense that I'm waiting to hear about something that is significant in my life? Would, would, would you be willing to raise your hand? Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It isn't easy to wait. But as God's people, can we not be confident that as we are waiting... He is working. Naomi tells Ruth, Naomi tells Ruth, sit tight, hang on. Here's what I know. I know Boaz, he's your kinsman redeemer. He is out there working while you are waiting. You know, I, I don't know how my story ends. I don't know how your story ends. I would like to know how my story ends, maybe, or how your story ends, but the reality is we don't know how the story ends. But I know who's at the end of my story. That's Jesus. Is that fair to say? I don't know how it ends. And we, when we read the book of Ruth, we're like, oh, it's a fantastic ending. The ending is so good that we're here tonight. That's how great the ending of the story is. It's a part of our story. But life has so many twists and turns and so many circumstances. We're like, this story is going to end. But we can walk out of here knowing who's at the end of the story. It's our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. As we conclude tonight, we're going to come to the Lord's table and celebrate the finished work of redemption. So if, if redemption has been completed, Jesus says it is finished as we celebrate the completed work of redemption. We also need to understand that God is still working on the formation. He's still working on us, right? So there's still that working going on. He's shaping our character. Romans 8, 29, according to the character of Jesus Christ. So as we celebrate the finished work of Christ at the Lord's table tonight, we're also going to understand that while we're waiting on the things that we put our hands in the, in the air tonight to, to wait on, I want you to know God's working. While we wait, God works. Say that with me. While we wait, God works. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.